Uh, what about the recording? I don't have a recording button, I think. It's on. Ezra, do you see the recording? I'm recording. Uh, okay. Okay. It's 8 o'clock. The parasha is Vayichi, the last parasha in the first book of the Torah, the parasha Breshit, the parasha Vayichi. The first parasha is, the, is also called Breshit. This is uh, the parasha, if you are concerned about the names, it kind of is a, a, an optimistic point. The parasha called Vayichi, and he lived. He there are many, many interpretations offered about this pasuk, but we're particularly interested in Yehuda, in the bracha that was received by Yehuda, and in fact, not the entire bracha, but only part of it. And that part of it contains actually a prophecy. Well, the way we understand it is that there's a prophecy by Yaakov about Yehuda, about Yehuda the future. Of course, this is uh, clearly stated in the Medrashim and in other sources, as we shall see. But we're interested first in learning the Psukim with the Rashi's commentary. Before we begin, I just want to mention that this year is also supported by the loving memory of Ophir Agassi, Zal, by his family, by his family. I think this is going to be a, an evening on the yard site. Um, I think we'll send out, we'll send out a, uh, we'll send out a notification about that. Uh, so the Pesach says this, Judah, like Yaakov turns and he says, Judah, he's already talked about the first three, and this is important to remember, that the first wife of Yaakov, chronologically, was Leah. And Leah had four sons, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. Yehuda was the fourth, last son of the first wife of Yaakov, whose name was Leah. Name was Leah. Yosef, uh, of course, was the elder of two children of the beloved wife that Yaakov had, Rachel. Leah, Rachel. Afterwards, Binyamin was born. So Rachel had, and she died when he was born. So the wives, the two wives, Rachel, Leah, had together six children. Six children. Yehuda received his name from his mother, Leah, who said that he has. She has to thank. She's thankful. Has to thank God for the fact that she had a son. Why was she thankful? I mean, she had three sons before. She didn't call them Yehuda. And the answer is that she felt that uh, Yaakov was going to have twelve sons. And he had four wives. And so she imagined or she thought that uh, each of the wives would have three sons. Three sons times four. I mean, in order to make sense, to make sense of things. After all, Yaakov had four wives and it, it wasn't exactly, it didn't exactly work out the way he wanted them. He wanted to marry Rachel, but he had to marry Leah first. So after Leah was married to him, he got, you know, his, her handmaiden. The same thing with, uh, with Rachel. And so somehow she imagined that whatever had to be would be divided up between these four wives, uh, which also had to be. And so she said she should have gotten three sons. And she had four. So the fourth son, which gave her an advantage in the family, uh, in the fourth, the fourth, uh, the fourth son gave her an advantage in the family. 
So she called him Yehuda. So back to the Pasuk. Yehuda, ata yoducha achecha. I mean, it's like a trick. Yoducha, they will give in to you. But it's the same word as Yehuda. Ata yoducha achecha. Your brothers will all treat you as though it's a wondrous thing that you exist. Rashi says, look at the Rashi, you see? Since Yaakov was kind of disagreeable about the first brothers, Reuven, because of what he did, Shimon Balevi, what was it they did? Can't get into it now, but you should know it. So suddenly Yehuda felt inadequate and was afraid to confront Yaakov. And he thought that Yaakov would blast him also because of what happened with Tamar, where he was not uh, careful serious, uh, led to a tragedy of sorts. And Yaakov instead called out to him and said, come, let us, let us talk it over, right? Yehuda is, Yaakov said, you're not like them, you're Yehuda. You're the one who had accepted praise from your brothers. The second phrase, your arm, is in the back, the nape of the neck, of your enemy. What is he talking about, Rashi? This took place and he has a he has a connector. there's a posuk that says that the that the Oivim, the enemies of David Amelech, were grabbed by the nape of the neck. It said the same thing. So yeah, he has a reference, but obviously he's changing our attitude to what's going on. This is not just Yaakov expressing his opinion about his sons, Reuben, Shimon, and Levi. They didn't do the right thing. They weren't the way they should be. They have, they can't, they they lose their claim to leadership. But Yadcha, suddenly we have the, the uh, change, according to Rashi. That this took place in the days of, of David, and he has a puzzle which makes the which makes the connection, which is perfectly perfectly legitimate. But we know that the beginning, right in the beginning of the parsha of Ayechi, Rashi tells us that uh, Rashi tells us that Yaakov wanted to wanted to tell the future, wanted to say something about what's going to happen, because Mo didn't let him. So here we, we have difficulties. It means something. It doesn't mean that it was being made David. You have to be especially tuned in to get what Rashi said. Okay, we'll get back to it. The sons of your father will come and bow down to you. Just as they came to bow down to Yosef, they're going to come down to bay, to, to bow down to you. The brothers came from several wives, four wives. He didn't call him the, them the sons of their mother, singular. Yitzchak called 
his sons b'nei imecha. But of course, is what, what Rashi means to tell us is that you would imagine that Yaakov would be connected to the versions that were promulgated by his father. His father called the children B'nai Yimecha. So how come Yaakov said it was called the B'nai Avicha? So Rashi says, because there they were more wives. Yitzchak only had one wife, and Yaakov had four wives. So that was that was a reason. But the question that Rashi is kind of asking, that why did Yaakov change the Nusach? Why did he change the form? If we have it clearly stated for us, Al-Shem Shayu Minashim Harbei Lo Abar B'nei Mecha Gider Shabbat Yitzchak Pasuk Pasuk Tet Pasuk Tet So, so what do we have in Pasuk Yud? Pasuk Chet that we just learned. Yehuda Atayoducha Achecha You're a good guy. You, your brothers are going to be thankful and 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 appreciative of you. For some reason, according to Rashi, is a statement about the future that you know that uh, I mean we don't know what the future is, but we know that that somehow you will be in control. And your brothers will bow down to you means that they will be accepting of your leadership, right? They will be accepting of of, uh, of your leadership. Okay. That's the first pasuk. Like a little heavy, but pasuk tet. Gur Aryeh Yehuda. Gur Aryeh Yehuda. Why call him a gur? A gur is a, a baby lion. Aryeh Yehuda, like Gur Aryeh. What's Gur Aryeh? Gur is the baby, and Aryeh is the adult of a lion. Gur Aryeh Yehuda, Rashi says. You see the Rashi? Just one second. Gur Aryeh. Al David So here we have two new pieces of information. One is that we're talking about David Amalek, and the other is that Yaakov is is prophesying. Yaakov is a prophet, and even though the beginning of the parasha it says that Hakadosh Baruch didn't allow him to tell them what's going to be in the future, that doesn't mean that Yaakov was not a prophet. And that his brachot to his sons were not prophetic. They are. It's just that in some way they don't include everything that Yaakov wanted to tell his children. Gur, you see the, the Rashi? At first he would be a gur. He's called a gur. He's like uh, the young king. Beyot Shaul Melech Aleinu Ataita Motziva may be at Israel. And even when Shaul was the king, Shaul was the king, you, Yehuda, were the ones who were Motsi, you may be at Israel, you're the ones who were the real leader. The that's when you were a Gur. And at the end he was an Aryeh, a lion, and that took place when David was crowned king of Israel. Vizel Shetirgeim Unculus Shilton Yehe Bishiruya Be Atchilato. So that Gur Aryeh is not not to be read according to Rashi as the the little lion, but Gur became an Aryeh Yehuda. In the case of Yehuda, the Gur became an Aryeh. What is the Gur? When he had some kind of administrative position in the court of Shaul, Aryeh, he became king. He took over from the court of Yehuda. Miteref b'ni alita. 
the second phrase in that pasuk Terev is is uh, uh, disaster, murder, Terev of the murder Bini Alita. You went up, Terev Bini Alita, Terev Rashi, Mimashecha Shadeticha. What I was, I was. Uh, Suspicious of you, Here it is, Bima. From what I was, I was worried about. I thought that he was, he was dead, and that a animal, some bad animal, had eaten away at him. Vizehu Yehuda Shanimshal Vizehu Yehuda Shanimshal Arye. And Yehuda, after all, was called an Arye. The flag of Yehuda had a lion, had a lion on it. Bini Alita, Alita to go up. My son, you went up. Salakta, that's Mechai. You went up. You took yourself away. Salak means to go up. Vamata, Mabetza. Mabetza? What are we getting from this? And somehow he changed what the brothers were about to do. Bechain, Meharigat, Tamar. Also, when they threatened to kill Tamar, Shehoda. He, he admitted it. That's what he said. He, Yehuda, said about Tamar. And she wasn't king. And she wasn't king. The next part, she wasn't killed, I'm sorry. The next part is Karar Ravatz And since he's an Aryeh, somehow Karar Ravatz, he crouched like our, an Aryeh might do it. Right? Uh, about the Fikach, because of all of this, the Pesach says, Kararavatz. He's crouched down, Bimei Shlomo. And that took a time in the time of Shlomo Amelech. Ish Tachat Gafno. Everybody, you know, Kararavatz is like, you know, you're resting. The lion is resting, it's crouching down and kind of just yawning and uh, keeping its uh, its peace. So in this pasuk, Gur Aryeh Yehuda, Gur Aryeh Yehuda is a reference to the fact that Yehuda is going to become king. Viteref Bini Alita, again a reference to his his goodness, the good part of him, right? He he uh, was able, he was able to uh, to be at peace with himself, with the surroundings. Right? Okay. Somehow the comparison of Yehuda to an Aryeh, everybody's afraid of him, but you know, the Aryeh, they also know how to relax and be calm. And that was, that was the appropriate comparison, the appropriate comparison. Now, Pasuk Yud, Lo Yesur, and this is the difficult Pasuk, as we know, the Lo Yesur Shevet Yehuda. The word Shevet, could mean a tribe, but could also mean a staff, a staff of authority. Oh, yes, so shave it, me, Yudah, that Yudah will retain the authority that's represented in the shavit, in the staff. Oh, yes, so shave it, me, Yudah. Rashi, me, David, va'elach. Oh, yes, so. Never. Me, David, There's something about something about the kingship of David 
of David that is endless. It's endless. How could that be? I mean, we all know. We all know that that's not quite true, that they were kings who replaced kings, you know, non-members of the family. And we know that they were wicked kings and uh, disrespectful kings and kings that even promoted idolatry. So what exactly is what? What will not be removed from David Ve'elach? Elu Rashei Galuyot Shebebavel Sherodimit Ha'am B'Shevet Sherodimit Ha'am B'Shevet That even in Babel we know that when the Jews were exiled from Eretz Yisrael and had to go to Babel, some of them went to Babel, they set up communities that were directed by Jewish leadership. And that Jewish leadership was called, they were called Reshe Gola, the, the heads of, the uh, leaders of the exiled Jewish people. So he says, Elu Reshe Galu In other words, where's the continuation? Where did it continue? Well, in Babel, in the Rashi Galoyot, it was the family of David Amelech. Shirodimit Ha'am B'Shevet, that's, I mean, not so clear. They they oppressed the nation with a staff. Shememunim Alpi Amalchut. They are appointed by the king of Babel in order to kind of keep things in order. Actually, of course, uh, the the Jewish people, like all the minorities, owed taxes to the Babylonian, to the Babylonians. So they would appoint Jewish, uh, Jewish people, people who had a certain amount of honor in the community, and appointed them to collect the taxes on their behalf, and that's. That's what Rashi says. Memunim alpia malchut. It's the the malchut, the malchut of the malchut of Bavel that appoints these reshegola and allows them and allows them to uh, have a certain amount of power in order to collect in order to collect the uh, uh, taxes. So then we have this Adki Shiloh. Adki Shiloh, like Shiloh, reminds me of a place, the place that the, that the Mishkan, I mean, after they moved into, across the Jordan River into Eretz Israel and started the conquest, they decided to put the Mishkan, what there was of it at that time, in a place called Shiloh. And and the Mishkan stayed in that place for hundreds of years. It took 400 years to capture Yerushalayim and build the Beit HaMikdash. And it took, so during those years that Yerushalayim was not yet conquered, and the Beit HaMikdash was not yet built. Most of those years, not only, but most of those years, the Mishkan was in Shiloh, in a place called called Shiloh. So he says, Lo Yazu Shevet Mi, sorry, Adki about Shiloh. So Rashi says, Shiloh, Melech HaMashiach. Shiloh is, the word Shiloh is a reference to Melech HaMashiach. Melech HaMashiach. Now, I don't know exactly, we don't know whether Mashiach is a real person or not a real person. I mean, but there's, we all agree that the end of history, to a certain extent, is with the coming of the Melech HaMashiach, the Messianic King. Shiloh. And 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 the, the malchut belongs to him, meaning that he represents it, even if it has gone down in its value, 
uh, after the Churban Beit HaMikdash. And in Babel, you have Babylonian uh, power giving the Reshe Gola, giving the Reshe Gola something to do, right? V'chein game unkulus. O Medrash Agadah Shiloh had another interpretation, which he calls Medrash Agadah, which might mean that it's a little far-fetched, Shiloh, Shiloh. It is for him, it's a present for him, Shneemar, Yovilu Shai Lamora. Yovilu Shai Lamora. So that means Shai, it's the word Shiloh is made up of two, uh, Two uh, words, but the meaning is the same. Adki Yavoshilo means until they get what they're supposed to get. What they're supposed to get, the Melech Hamashiach, and of course that will reinstate the Malchut of Yehuda, so that we have to say Lo Yasoshevet BeYehuda. Doesn't mean that every all in all periods of history, the strength of the uh, of Yehuda will be the same. I mean, sometimes there'll be Reish Hegola, Reish Hegola, sometimes there'll be other kinds of powers, but eventually, eventually, the full power of the king will be returned to uh, Shevet Yehuda, right? And then and then below Yikat Amim. Lo Yikat Amim. I'm sorry, Mechokek Bein Ragbi Bein Raglav. You see Mechokek Bein Raglav? Talmidim, Talmidim, Chok Me Bein Raglav. Who's in, in, in between your feet? Well, let's say you, you're teaching a class and and the students are sitting and the teacher is standing. So between his feet, it could be Talmidim. So we see we had a reference to Nisiye Eretz Yisrael, right? The Tanaim, up to Rabbi Yudah Nasi, who wrote the Mishnah. And we know that the family of Rabbi Yudah Nasi was the family of David Amelak. And in Bavel, we have the family of David HaMelech acting as Reishe Gola, acting as Reishe Gola, Reishe Gola were the ones who were able to collect the taxes and they had a certain amount of authority which was granted them by the real king, by the real king of, of uh, okay? So now, Ad Ki Shilo Melech HaMashiach, Again, the same idea. Mashiach, Melech, we don't know if it's a real person or not a real person. Melech HaMashiach, Sheham Lucha Shalom, V'chaiti Gev Unkulus, V'medrash HaGadaz, you remember, Shiloh, Shiloh. Shiloh meaning it's a present to him, something he gets. He will get Shinemar, etc., and then the last part of the pasuk, which is the linguistically most difficult, lo yikat amim. I guess the subject is still Yehuda. Lo yikat amim, asefat amim. Like they all get together. They all get together. So what kind of word is this yikat? So Rashi says, shayud ikar. He by yesod. It's like the root of the word includes a yud. Yud, kuf, hey. Okay, and then he goes on to prove this in uh, different ways. Okay. Okay, so we've seen, we've seen that uh, that what Yaakov says to Yosef, to Yehuda, is a prophecy. And it's a positive prophecy because it includes the fact that Yehuda will be the king and that kingship will continue. According to Rashi, the way kingship continues is that uh, 
uh, even though the nation of the Jewish nation has been defeated and exiled, there's still a, some semblance of of Malchut in the Reishegola in uh, in Babel and in the Nisiyim in Eretz Yisrael, the Nisiyim come from the family of David HaMelech, also the family of David HaMelech. And so there's been a quick change around. Yehuda was concerned about the fact that he wasn't always proper in this, the actions that he took in his lifetime. But Yaakov assures him that according to the Medrash, that according to the Rashi, I'm sorry, according to the Rashi, Yaakov assures him that uh, Now he's in the clear, so to speak, and that when he when he admitted that Tamar Tzadkami many, that was like an act of tshuva, which was not something that was obvious or something that was even clear or something that was even known. And we know that in uh, in modernity we 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 understand that the the kiyum haTorah. And doing what you're supposed to be doing and learning what you're supposed to be learning is largely a function of tshuva. It's largely a function of tshuva because tshuva is the great enabler. It enables you to continue. It enables you to think about what should be. It 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 says that you're you you'll be judged, but that the judgment can be modified or mitigated. That's like a remarkable idea that Yehuda accepted. Yehuda accepted upon himself, but his brother saw in him, according to Rashi, a special person with this special kind of of talent, which is what enabled him ultimately to become uh, to become to achieve leadership. Right, leadership came from the fact that he could be a more perfect person than most. And perfection, perfection means to be able to do, the, to keep the Torah, do the mitzvot, unencumbered, unencumbered by transgression. That's the thing that stops you. The fact that you are loaded down by transgression is what stops you from being uh, from from continuing, from moving on to getting greater heights. And Shuva says you can do it, which is quite which is quite remarkable. So if you look at the second part of the sheet, I want to quickly just see if we can go through this uh source which is from the Medrash Prashit Rabbah Parshat Vaichi Parshat Saritet sub uh, subdivision chet. So this section goes through what we saw in Rashi, but you have to discover the small changes that are significant. Their faces were unhappy faces. And so Yehuda was worried. He saw what happened with his brothers, and he said, "Oh, well, I'm going to get it for what for what I did with Tamar." So Yaakov started out by saying, "Yehuda, your brothers know who you really are." So here the Medrash takes a place on the word Yoducha. And it says, You gave, you announced it, you gave in on the case with Tamar. Your brothers will accept you, will admit that you are the one who is going to be the king. Uh, 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 in their world. 
your hand is in the nape of the neck of your enemy. Ze David, that's a reference to David, there's a posok. So there's a, a posok as we saw. Your the sons of your father will bow down to you. Yitzchak, Amalei liYaakov, b'nei Mecha, shelo aitalo eli shachat rivka, aval Yaakov shayalo arba hanashim amalei liYuda b'nei Avicha. So we saw this in Rashi. We know we understand it. We understand it. Then we're up to the next pasuk that says Gurar Yehuda. It was the 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 murdering of Yosef. He wasn't murdered, but that's what Yaakov thought. Shamarta Mabetza, you said, what do we get out of killing him? Let's go for the money. She eats eats out the dollar the fashot. He says he says in the case the story of Tamar, you Yehuda saved four four people. Atzmecha, Tamar, Ushnei Banecha. You saved yourself. You saved Tamar, and has something they wanted to kill Tamar. He said no. Omale, Omale. He crouched down like a lion. Uchilavi. Uchilavi. And like, Loyasu Shevet Mi Yehuda. What about this pasuk that the power will always remain with Yehuda? Zekisei Malchut. That's, we're talking about the seat of. Uh, Kingship. When will this be? And the who is able to destroy the the teeth of the nations. Shneimar Yishivu Yad Al Peh. So there, there are several explanations indicating the power that Yehuda will have as the king. That's sort of the sort of the end. So if you see that the. Uh, the Medrash, which Rashi, of course, bases himself on to a large, uh, large degree, indicates that there's a again that there's a fundamental problem in the presentation that Lo Yasur Shevet Me Yehuda sounds like it means once he achieves, uh, once he achieves the kingship, it'll never leave him, meaning him, his family. Etc. But this is clearly not true. This is clearly not true. And in fact, we know that uh, that many of the rulers who call themselves kings were not from the family of Yehuda. Some were not even even uh, Jewish. And uh, if we go backwards uh, a little bit, we see also. The Rambam's insistence that somehow the two hundred years of of malchut, of kingship, Jewish rulership in uh, in Bayesheni, leading to the end of Bayesheni, is something noteworthy, something wondrous, which we should we should certainly. Uh, the third source that I I prepared. Just one second.
Yisrael Adrashot Haran, Rav Nisim Gurundi, Adrush Ashvi'i, the seventh Adrush. Let me just... Uh, where he has something a little bit different to say. Okay, we'll stop at the beginning and then we'll see how far we get. This is uh, his explanation to the chronological problem. Remember, according to Yaakov, he'll always be king. He will always be the king. And according to the way we understand the history of it, there were many times when Yudah was not king. So Adat Rabotenu Zal Yesh Kader Hacheret Shevtichu Shelot Asul Olam Mishivtot Zat Memshala. He said there'll always be a little bit of malchut of rulership in the family of Yehuda. Bein biyotam alad matam whether they're in Eretz Kenan their land. Bein biyotam bagola. A second promise is that they'll always be learning Torah, the descendants. These are the that we know from, from learning Rashi. These are the descendants of Hillel that learned Torah publicly. And in turn, there are two promises. The first promise is that there'll always be some sort of ruler, some sort of Jewish ruler. He's not totally uh, powerful. He will be able to direct life to a certain extent. The second one is that the children of Yehuda should always be learning, be learning Torah. Oskin, Torah. In the there are no, no students. They came from the tribe of Levi, or the tribe of Yisochar. How do I know that they came from Levi? That's what it said about Levi. They were able to make determinations. Allahic determinations, alright? There is, even though it's not not uh, promised that they will that they will get to the point, I mean, that they will know the halacha, but, but they will, it is promised 
Muftach Shalov Tipasek Torah Mimenu, that they will keep on learning Torah Bizaftachadakaim Alaulam. And that's forever. That is forever. So that according to the Ran, you could say that the promise of Lo Yasu Shevet Be Yehuda, that, that, that is not about, it's not about Malchus, because we know that Malchus can come and it can go. And while we would like to reestablish it at all times, but we, it's hard to say that in our own time, now living in uh, Eretz Israel, that the Malchus somehow is the Malchus that Yaakov Avinu was talking about. But it says, Lo that the two promises have to do with uh, with a learning Torah, that Yehuda, the family of Yehuda, will be vigilant about Torah learning and will be able to direct Torah learning to a certain ex- to a certain extent, and that will always be true. Even though it may not be that they that they'll know the psak or know the halacha at all the different times, nevertheless, uftach shaloti pasek Torah bimeni v'zohavtachara. He says, "Kayemet zohavtachah kayemet laolam." This is always true. It's always true that the Talmud Torah that Yehuda is heavily invested in Talmud Torah. And as the Chachamim pointed out in the Medrashim, is another possibility that this promise that they will remain devoted to Talmud Torah that only starts after the time of the Mashiach. And even though Malchut Will disappear from Yehuda at the, at that time. Is them the Malchut biyata goel biyaftichenu ki afal pisheti pasega Malchut bimenu. Even though Yehuda is going to lose Malchut after the Mashiach, and Mashiach will be the Melech Melech Hamashiach. He says, so that's when the promise kicks in. When the Mashiach comes, then everybody will be, then, then uh, Yehuda will no longer be king, but the Melech HaMashiach will be king, and that'll go on forever. The time that just as similar to the time they came to Shiloh, Bereshit Rabbah Ubi Yilamdeinu is the Tanchuma Amrusham Lo Yasur Shevet Mi Yehuda Zeki Sei Malchut Lo Yasur Shevet that's a reference to the seat of kingship Shene'emar Kisacha Elohim that your seat will be there forever.
דרואים בשבט ברזל, בחוקק בין רגליו, אלו יושבי יבץ, עד כי יבוא שילו, שעתידים כל אומות העולם להביא דורון למשיח בן דוד, שנאמר, בעת ההיא יובל שי להשם צבקות. So that means that עד כי יבוא שילו, There's like some kind of idea that something is going to happen. So certainly refers to the coming of the, of the Mashiach, the Messianic, uh, the Messianic era. But in terms of what he's promising Yehuda, there are two promises. One has to do with his Malchut, that he's going to assume Malchut, and he may continue it in some manner or other, even in the times of the Diaspora. And the other promise is that his children or the tribe of Yehudah will be committed to Torah learning and thereby pave the way for, pave the way for the coming of the, uh, the coming of the Mashiach. Melech HaMashiach. We see that sometimes, you know, psukim need interpretation. And uh, the interpretation is not always obvious. And the lack of obvious interpretation makes things difficult. But we see that uh, there's a, like an honest attempt to try to get it. And the fact that we don't get it is not so remarkable because after all, we're talking about, talking about prophecy. And prophecy is something that comes to people who have a special knack of understanding things. And we can't always expect everybody else, like ourselves, to understand exactly what the Pesach is talking about. All the best to you. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Marilyn, I'm finished. You want me to-